Welcome to Season 4 of The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at gregkillstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, now available on Amazon and other retailers. Before we get started, I'd like to introduce you to a new sponsor of the show, Basecamp. Throughout my career, whether it was at my own agency or now as a consultant, Basecamp is what I've always relied on to help keep projects on track, on schedule, and on budget. It takes a straightforward approach to project management, it streamlines workflow management, and definitely keeps the team in the loop and on top of ongoing updates, which are all major components in a smooth-running operation. No matter if it's a simple campaign or a multi-million dollar project, Basecamp has been a key ingredient in the recipe for a successful project and business. Go to Basecamp.com Agile and sign up today to start a free 30-day trial. There's no credit card required and you can cancel online at any time. If you want to know if Basecamp is right for your team, signing up for that free trial is the best way to do so. Remember to go to Basecamp.com Agile, that's Basecamp.com A-G-I-L-E, to get your free trial. Thank you, Basecamp, for sponsoring this episode. Now, let's meet our guest. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile Brand Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about employee engagement in a remote and hybrid world of work. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Alexander Ambericos, CEO and co-founder of Remotion. Alexander, welcome to the show. Hello, Greg. Thank you for having me. Yeah, looking forward to talking about the subject with you. Definitely something um, I think we're both passionate about, so looking forward to talking about it. But first, why don't we give the audience a little bit of background on yourself, uh, you know, kind of what led you to to found uh, Remotion? Yeah, so I like to describe myself as a half Greek, half Malaysian who did not expect to still be living in America. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about Remotion and what I'm working on, but really I'm someone who, who cares deeply about the flexibility that you can have with remote work and believes that teams should be built from folks all around the world. My story of how I got here is... Uh, I grew up in Switzerland, came to the States because I loved American airplanes and wanted to work on those. Ended up switching to software, getting a job in San Francisco, working at Dropbox. And before I knew it, I felt like I just couldn't really leave. This, you know, the, the work was too interesting. The pay was too good. And so I found myself still in San Francisco 10 years later, uh, finally just moved to New York uh, a couple of years ago to experience more of the country. And ultimately, though, as I've, as I've sort of grown in this sort of professional career, I've realized, hey, a lot of the work that we do when we're on teams of knowledge workers could really benefit from working with people in all sorts of different places. And so it has been this absolutely you know, crazy time since, uh, since the pandemic of, uh, of many, many companies adopting uh, remote work. And the companies that have struggled the most maybe have been teams with people who like hanging out, who like working around other people, uh, who would never have considered remote work before the pandemic. But now that they're here are finding like, you know, maybe we can be productive, but as far as relationship building, as far as engagement, that's something that's much harder remotely. Yeah. And so we started Remotion before the pandemic, trying to solve for those teams, thinking it would be, you know, there'd be a small number of teams who like hanging out, who want to work remotely. And, and obviously now we're in a completely different position where the market's changed massively and, and everyone is trying to figure out, you know, as, as hopefully the pandemic subsides, 
uh, what their strategy is going to be as far as continuing to support remote work or hybrid work or, or maybe making everyone go back to the office. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Um, a little bit about remotion in, in, in a nutshell, we're building something called a virtual office. So if you think, imagine you're, you're someone who liked the office back when you had it, but now you also really like the flexibility of remote work. Uh, a virtual office might be for you because we try to build, take some of those, those team building benefits uh, and some of those culture building, building benefits of the physical office and bring them to remote teams. Great, great. Yeah, no, I'm definitely looking forward to talking more about that and, and remotion as well. Um, so let's let's start by talking about uh, leading a hybrid team. As as you said, you know, world world of work has you know some some are making their way back to the office. Um, most have not 100 percent done that, and you know we've we've got a lot of remote you know pure remote work still. We've got a lot of hybrid teams, um, and you know keeping those remote employees engaged. Whether it's the case that you mentioned where there are people that really thrive in that that in-person environment and, and working alongside, or there are you know, people that didn't necessarily thrive but like the, the remote aspect but still need to be engaged. You know, at this point, uh, most leaders have been working with, you know, with this, this hybrid or even still fully remote teams for a while now, but a lot still haven't gotten it right. So, you know, where, where would you start? Where, what would your advice be to keep these remote employees engaged when, you know, the leaders just still haven't gotten it right? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And if there could just be a single takeaway in a single sentence, it would be leadership needs to be as remote as the most remote employee. So, you know, if you're, if you're a remote company and let's say all your executives are in the office all the time and you're trying to figure out how to engage someone who never comes into the office, it's going to be really hard. Like you can do it, but you're going to have to be doing a lot of thinking and researching and interviewing. Whereas let's say one of those executives opts to be remote as well. They're going to immediately build empathy for themselves and then for the leadership team. And you'll be able to make a lot of better decisions. So, you know, seeing say that like Mark Zuckerberg at Meta is planning to be remote a lot of the time, that'll definitely help Meta with, you know, being a remote company itself. So the single biggest takeaway I have is think about how remote your most remote person is and try to have leadership build some empathy for that by doing the same thing at least part-time. Um, if we're gonna break it down a little further though, there are different ways to become hybrid. Uh, there's all, you know, on one extreme, there are, there are companies where everyone comes into the office. Sorry, not everyone. Everyone on a certain sub-team comes into the office. Like let's say all sales comes into the office every day. And then all of say engineering or all of marketing doesn't come into the office. Uh, that's one style where it's kind of done on a per-team basis. There's also other styles where maybe you're going to leave it up to employees. So you'll have some folks coming into the office if they feel like it. Maybe those are, say, younger people or new grads. And then you might have other folks who prefer to be remote not coming into the office. And so that might be people who you hired in a different country during the pandemic. Or those might be people who, say, have kids that they want to, they need to be taken care of at the same time. And so there are these different, these different flavors of hybrid, but what we can do is we can try to break down, I think, the, t the two key components of engagement here. There's, there's engagement around the work, and then there is engagement around your company culture and your relationships. The work is honestly, I think, this the simplest thing to think about, which is your work style needs to support the most remote person. Yeah. You need to adopt a remote first way of working. And so there are a lot of best practices here. It's been written about a lot on the internet, but... You can think of, uh, you know, written culture being important, asynchronous decision-making being important, uh, hygiene around video calls, making sure that, you know, every meeting has a video call by default. And if there are multiple people in person and then 
at least one person remote, then everyone needs to dial in separately uh, so that the video latency doesn't disadvantage the remote person. Yeah. Um, if you want to get really advanced around a remote first way of working, then you can start thinking about, you know, how do you let remote folks join in on the unplanned in-person conversations? And, you know, that's some of the stuff we think about with tools like Remotion that I'm working on. So, so work in summary, I would say just you need to make sure your remote teammates are first class citizens. And that means adopting a remote first way of working. This may sound like a really horrible deal, but the truth is that a lot of remote first ways of working are actually just fast forwarding company process. So for example, larger companies may do more in writing than smaller companies. And if you're a remote company, then you just have to do more in writing earlier. So it's, it's not actually different than what you do. It's just earlier. Culture is a harder one because the amazing thing about the physical office is that you put people in a room together and they'll naturally just get to know each other and naturally develop some norms and, and you know, maybe even become friends uh, and develop the, and sort of amplify any, any sort of quirky things that make your company unique. And remotely, that's a lot harder to do. So I think a lot about this, this one call I had with a, a CEO of a, a large German company, and he was explaining to me the way that he viewed the problem, which is when you hire someone to work with your team and they can come into the office, they immediately get a feel for who you are, even on the interview day. Yeah. Um, and their first day of work, they're going to get a feel for you. But if you hire someone remotely and you know, they start their new job with you, they're going to you know, wake up, make coffee, go sit at their desk and you know, it's the same desk that they had at the previous job, right? Pull the same keyboard, same, you know, screen, maybe uh, same email clients even. And work is going to feel like kind of the same to them. It's just with different people. And so his question was, what are the unique aspects of your company that you can feel in the office? And how could you give the remote people access to that? So for example, maybe the, the banter over lunch, uh, which is oft often a top reason that people go into the office. Maybe that, that's something that's more unique. And so how can you give remote members access to some of that lunch banter? Uh, you know, it could be inviting them to a brown bag lunch every now and then. Maybe that's thinking about the hobbies that are discussed and making sure that there are specific places to discuss those, like Slack channels where people post pictures and are, and are known. Uh, one of his ideas that's one of my favorite ideas was they, they had office music in their office in certain rooms. And so they thought about how to create shared music experiences between the office and remote folks. And, and you know, spoiler alert, that's, that's one of the ideas. It was my favorite that I heard from him and we're also thinking about it, Remotion. Nice. So, you know, just summarizing, I guess, overall, I would say, you know, how can leaders engage hybrid, uh, remote employees on hybrid teams? First thing out of three is the leaders should also work remotely at least some of the time. Second thing out of three is be remote first in the way that you work. And lastly, when it comes to culture, think about what's unique about your company and try to expose that to remote people. Nice, nice. Well, yeah. So you know, we just talked about what leaders should do. Um, how about you know? How about the the flip side of this? Is you know, are, are there one or two things that leaders should stop doing, or at least do a lot less of from you know from from the same perspective of optimizing engagement? Yeah, I mean, this is interesting because before now, there actually hasn't been that much precedent for highly successful hybrid teams. Yeah. Um, and so I suspect that this list is going to get a lot longer in the next year or year or two. But if I had to start somewhere, you know, I'd say that there is a right way of looking at hybrid work and the advantages of it. And, and then there's a different way, which may be okay. I don't know if I can go so far as to say it's wrong, but I think that it will make it harder to engage remote employees. So, so here's the thing. If, if you're a team of people who, whose work is not based in you know, physical, like you don't manufacture a physical good, you're knowledge workers. Right. I think it's important not to think of the office as a place to maximize productivity. 
Instead, I think you want to be thinking of the office as a way to facilitate relationship building uh, within your team and to the, cater to the people who like working around other people, who like working in person. I think if you if you use the, the office as sort of a, a way to get more productivity out of employees, then automatically your remote teammates are going to be less engaged because they're not benefiting from those same things. And so I think you're kind of crippling yourself by leaning on the office for the wrong things. Yeah. Let's talk about how the hybrid working model can actually benefit the employee experience a little bit more here. And, you know, so while there can be some downsides and, you know, you've touched on a lot of things here already, really, but, um, you know, what, what do you see as some of the upsides of hybrid work? I mean, for me, remote work and hybrid work are all about talent. The workforce is, uh, is changing. I mean, we've all obviously heard about the great resignation, uh, you know, and salaries coming up. And I think uh, if you're a company and you want to hire the best talent, then you need to know that the best talent will often want flexibility in the way that they work. And uh, if you want to hire them, then you've got to offer that at your company. So I think uh, the, the best way to leverage hybrid work is to find, so you know, the best way to leverage remote work is, is basically to open yourself to hiring people from other places that don't live within 20 miles of you. Uh, the downside is that a lot of folks, especially say like new grads, if that's an important source of talent for you, they often want to meet in person or they want to be in big cities. And so what's really interesting about hybrid is you can actually theoretically get a best of both worlds where you're you're hiring people who like working in person, but you're also able to hire people from everywhere. I think those are probably the biggest upsides. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, maybe to, to add one more, something that we're seeing more of now is that there's, there's an interesting sort of selection bias between those two sets of people I just mentioned. The people who want to come into the office are often maybe a little more extroverted than the people who want to stay at home. And so if you're a team leader thinking about how to keep your team engaged, you already know that you need to lean on the extroverts to, to kind of be the anchors for a lot of the, the team conversation that happens. And so when you start concentrating those extroverts in one place, uh, the way this can go wrong is that well, now they're only in this one spot, so everyone who's remote is, is not as engaged. Yeah. But I think it's actually an opportunity. You can use the office as sort of a, a cultural and momentum anchor for your company. So, for example, we see a lot of companies who uh, will bring uh, new hires, even if they're remote, into the office for their first week for onboarding. Because during that moment of onboarding where you, you want the person to meet as many other people as possible, the office is a great place to facilitate that. And later on... When you have uh, different events, like say like all hands or um, strategy sessions, et cetera, the office will be a place where the energy is very palpable just because it's all in one physical spot. And so you can think about how to leverage that such that the employee experience, even for remote people, sort of carries some of that energy as well. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, so your company, uh, Remotion, uses the term virtual co-working. And so, you know, I want to dive into that a little bit more. And, I, you know, I think it touches on some of the things we've already talked about, but, you know, just talk about that and, and productivity. So first, uh, you know, for the audience, could you define what you mean by virtual co-working? Yeah, absolutely. And to, and to be completely honest with you, we're, uh, we're not sure that's the right name for, for this. We might, we might want to call it something else. But it's, it's basically the virtual equivalent of sitting around a table uh, with your colleagues while you're working. So if you think of, of, you know, of work, a typical workday has moments of deep focus where you're, you're alone at your desk. And then you have fo moments of, of sort of intense collaboration where you're all in a meeting room and you're talking about something. And at least in a physical office, there's also these times of 
medium focus, medium collaboration. Like maybe if you're a manager, you might do some work in a common area as a way of making yourself available to the team. If you are an individual contributor, you might go and sit next to another person who you're working on a project with just so that you can have some back and forth more easily uh, while you're doing your work. Or if you're friends and let's say you have a marketing person who's friends with, um, you know, a customer experience person, like maybe they might just sit next to each other because they're friends and just banter about the weekend uh, while they're doing their work. And so all of these, that last type of thing are things that are difficult to do remotely because remotely, I think what most leaders have figured out is how to do this sort of structured scheduled programming, right? Like we can do some stuff in writing, we can schedule on all hands, uh, you know, we can schedule happy hours and you know, in the case of happy hours, this can be really successful after for the first few, and then people get kind of bored of the same thing. Uh, and but all of that stuff, all of that structured programming is it's high intensity. You know, it's uh, sometimes people complain about it being awkward. It feels like you're forced to talk at these social events. And so we think of virtual co-working as the way to virtually do that unscheduled, unstructured, uh, more lower stakes hanging out with each other. So to define it specifically, it is a new behavior of getting onto a video call, but having your camera and microphone muted and just leaving it that way with a few colleagues. And then when one of you wants to talk, uh, you just unmute. And then you, you know, you say like, oh yeah, how was your weekend? Like I heard that you went to this bar or whatever. Yeah. Virtual coworking can be used for a variety of use cases. It can be used socially, like what I just described. It can be used let's um, for office hours in the case of that leader. You, know, you put yourself in the call, you let people know that you're there and they can drop in to find you. Um, or it can be used for urgent projects. Like say, you know, you've got two or three people who are intensely working on something that's got to be done in the next 24 hours. They can, it's a lot more efficient for them to just have direct access to each other while they're doing that work. Yeah. And so, you know, I think I know the answer to this, but, uh, you know, just to, just to kind of talk through, I mean, I think when you're in the office, to your point, there's, there's these moments of where you just need to kind of get in the flow and, and and knock some stuff out and, and everything like that. But the different types of interactions and, and things like that can actually enhance productivity, right? So, you know, how how do you look at this this idea of virtual co-working and productivity? Because certainly there's there's some engagement components to it where you do get to interact and, and stuff like that. But how do, how do you look at it from a productivity standpoint? Yeah, so I'd say the biggest net positive to productivity comes because co-working helps your team build relationships. At Remotion, we, we view relationships as really arising not out of large meetings with a lot of people, but out of the small, unstructured conversation that you might have between two and three people. When you can have a few of those conversations per day with different people, you get to know your team. And once you know your team, when you're, you're friends with your team, you're much more productive because you can cut through all of the process and just like immediately get to the point. You're, you're a higher trust team and therefore a more productive team. So when, when people talk to me about like, hey, like what would be the benefits of remotion? Like should we be using this? I always start by asking about their team's relationship building. And we start by looking at, you know, if they should be using virtual coworking as a mechanism to enable more, to foster more casual conversation for relationship building. Then, and by the way, part of why that's a good idea is because that's more interesting uh, for employees to engage with. And it can be done at really important times like onboarding. If then that catches on virtual coworking can be used directly to help with productivity in specific moments, like when you have urgent projects. But, you know, I think the truth is like, ideally at your company, you probably don't always want something that's on fire that needs to be done super urgently. And so there won't always be a reason for you to be getting around a table to put your heads together around a problem. Whereas in our opinion, there's always a reason to 
make yourself available for some casual conversation on your team uh, throughout the work week. Great. Well, um, one last question before we wrap up. You you touched on this at the at the top of the show, and you know you launched Remotion before the pandemic started. So you know certainly with the I would imagine with a slightly different mindset and set of assumptions and and things like that. So you know just curious. You know having having been involved in, in a few startups and and all those kinds of things. There's the you know there's the natural pivoting and and such that happens. But man, you were handed kind of a a left turn there, so to speak. And so, you know, how, how did those huge changes change your original vision or, or was it really more just now all of a sudden you had a, a broader audience or, you know, was it, was it a little of each? I was all of the above. It has been yeah. an absolutely, you know, insane ride through, through this, through this moment in time. You know, I, I don't think anyone could ever say the pandemic was a good thing, but there were definitely some tailwinds uh, for us in terms of market size. Uh, on the other hand, also pretty significant challenges in terms of what the product should do, given what the market needed, um, and in terms of competition. It's interesting. I can wa- I can walk you through a little bit of the story of of what Remotion was before pandemic. Yeah, that'd be great. Before the pandemic started, we had this vision of building a virtual office, and we knew that our customers would be people who wanted to work remotely but still liked hanging out and realized that they couldn't do that with the current tooling and current best practices pioneered by old remote teams. Because the, the old guard of remote teams were teams that, let's just say they thrived with without uh, tooling that facilitates more hanging out. And they ended up netting out at a very sort of asynchronous w- way of working. We thought that we could enable more teams to benefit from remote flexibility, but it would be a very long, long battle. So we were sort of taking our time, really designing the product carefully. And all of a sudden, you know, COVID hits and uh, we realized that although we didn't feel ready with our product, the, uh, there's just a massive need for, for what we're building. Um, and so not really knowing much about marketing at the time, and you know, probably still today, uh, we decided to launch our product uh, about a month after the, you know, it became clear the pandemic was here to stay. And uh, we launched it on a website called Product Hunt, which is where a lot of early tech adopters go discover products. But the thing is, we didn't actually realize it was a launch. We just thought we were posting the thing. And uh, we posted our product. We called it Remotion. Um, and because we didn't think that people would be receptive of the idea of a product for relationship building, we decided to market it as a productivity tool. So the idea was Remotion. It's super simple. You click on someone and you're talking. It's fast video chat. And uh, at the time, that was very unique. And so uh, despite all the bugs, et cetera, in the product, uh, we saw some, some interesting adoption there. And uh, we saw that many teams adopted Remotion, but did not figure out how to use it. Typically, we would hear managers were really excited about it, but then individual contributors were a lot less engaged and didn't really want to be available with one click to everyone else on their team. So a lot of churn, but the teams that did adopt Remotion successfully saw incredible value out of it and found themselves you know, being able to cancel a lot of 30 or 60 minute meetings and just talk in a faster, more flexible, more agile, if I'm going to use your word, (laughs) in a more agile way. Um, So that was Remotion 1.0. And on the basis of that, uh, you know, we we raised some funding to continue pushing into this. We were pretty conservative and raised a lot of money because we we weren't sure what the economy would do. So we we raised $13 million from, from Greylock and first round at that time. Then though, what happened was that the pandemic started setting in and people started getting Zoom fatigued. And the idea of fast video chat started to sound really bad 
to almost everyone we spoke to. Mm-hmm. And so although we had a degree of product market fit, it really felt like the, the rug was pulled out from under us and, and we just lost it. And that was, that was certainly a, an interesting experience uh, to lead through. And so, you know, we, you know, we just had a website, you could come on and sign in for our product. And we started trying to ask us like, what is happening? First of all, like, why are people not interested? That, that became obvious. Right. But then also, why are people still interested? Like, who are those people? What do they want? And when we would talk to these people who were still signing up, they, they would come in and we, we would ask them, like, what are you looking for? And they're like, you know, I don't really know, but it feels like your product would bring back the office water cooler. And we'd be like, okay, that's actually not what it is, but why do you want that? And, uh, you know, we'd start hearing stuff about team building, about relationship building, about specific moments like onboarding or specific moments like, you know, when a, at a large company, when the team changes and all of a sudden you're working with new people you don't know. And that's when we realized that the challenge was not productivity. It was a relationship building. And what we needed to build wasn't a fast video chat product, but actually a way of having another space, just like the physical office, a space that fosters casual conversation in small groups. And so we spent most of last year really iterating at a smaller scale. Uh, we actually had a wait list. You couldn't even sign up for the product. Um, iterating at a smaller scale to try to figure out what was needed, how we should describe that, you know, how we could identify those people who were looking for that and um, how the product should work. And uh, so that was a, that was a pretty big shift from productivity towards team building yeah. and a pretty big shift in product from sort of speed being one of the value props towards social features, like having rooms with music that plays uh, you know, at the same time for everyone who's remote and letting, letting people uh, DJ music through Spotify and thinking about you know how that might integrate with say an office music experience, uh, as I mentioned earlier, and so you know that brings us to today, where we feel like uh, you know we haven't figured out everything, but we have a really clear picture of what the market needs that we think is going to be relatively more stable. I think the question for us is how do we spread the word, get more people to figure out to find out about us, and how do we continue helping teams during those acute moments where they need help, like say onboarding a new teammate or reopening an office and figuring out how to include remote teammates. Nice, nice. Well, like I said, there's always there's always a bit of, of shifting and, and maneuvering that goes on when you do a when you do a startup. But yeah, that's um, you know, kudos to you for for finding a, a path through all that. And I know, you know, the journey's still still going here, but you know, I'm excited for you in this, you know, in this journey. Yeah, thank you. I honestly I, I feel like it's uh, still very early days. But yeah, so far it's it's been a fun and rewarding journey for sure. Well, um, Alexander, uh, thanks so much for joining the show. For those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? Um, to keep up with me, you can find me on Twitter at, at Embirico, which is spelled at E-M-B-I-R-I-C-O. And our company is Remotion. Uh, you can find us on the internet at remotion.com. So R-E-M-O-T-I-O-N.com. And uh you know, you can also email me at alexanderremotion.com. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we're we're always looking for people to build with. So if, if you go to our website and you're interested, hit sign up or shoot me a note and we'd love to get you onboarded. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Alexander Embaricos, uh, CEO and co-founder of Remotion for joining the show. Thanks, Greg. Thanks again for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom. Talk with you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkillstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 